0: life seems empty, maybe it's because we're trying to fill it with things that don't satisfy Maybe it's because we're looking for meaning in things that were never designed to give us meaning. Maybe it's because we care more about the gifts than the giver. We have one life, one shot at this experience of living on the earth. What are you going to do with it? Are you chasing meaningless things? Or are you pursuing the one who created you and will give you meaning? and purpose, and joy. Open your Bibles with me,
1: please, to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we will be in chapter 8. Do You know, um, it's my birthday this month, and uh don't applaud. I said that because you didn't, but I gotta be honest with you. Uh I really thought that when I hit this age, I would know a lot more than I actually do. What are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Ratchet straps. You realize I'm 46 years old. I have no idea how to work these things. And look, I know some of you right now are
0: like, oh, Pastor Jeff, that's so lame. That's that's like Legos, man.
1: That's so easy to use. I can't do it. And it's hard to stand in front of you as your pastor and admit that. I don't know how to use this. And I've tried a couple times privately. But there have been many times that I've been helping someone move or
0: ratchet something down in the back of a truck that I'm praying that they just do it, right? That they're not like, Jeff, here, would you ratchet that? I'm, I'm like, so I've, I've managed to dodge that bullet for like 46 years. And then a couple weeks ago, um, we got a new couch and I called... Uh, My good friend, Ben Mall, I said, hey, can I borrow your truck? i got to haul a couch. And Ben, he says, yeah. He goes, and I threw some ratchet straps in the back
1: for you. (laughs) Like, you are a pal. I'm just confessing this to you. I didn't, I I just couldn't tell him that I didn't know how to use those.
0: (laughs) Because I want Ben to like me and respect me. (laughs) And I thought that might be the end of the relationship. Like, I can't be friends with somebody so ignorant. So I didn't tell him. So I drove to the store, and you had to go around back to where the trailers are to get the couch. And we loaded the truck up, or loaded the couch into the truck. And I'll be honest with you, I
1: tried. I hooked the things up to the truck. And I just, I, I, I don't know what to do with this thing. And uh, my son's there. He's feeling like his dad's a big failure. And then uh, this—I this,
0: saw this white pickup truck drove by and stopped. And I'm not proud to admit this either, but I ran to that truck. And I'm like, "Excuse me, like I'm—I'm uh, I'm so sorry to bother. You. Do you know how to work one of these things?" And of course he did, <laughs> because he was like, "Oh yeah, that's all you do. You just hook that up, you know, and then you take this part and you." And I'm watching him do it, and I'm like, well, that looks easy. I'm like, hey, thank you so much for your help. Then I went back to Ben's truck and that couch,
1: and I still couldn't get this thing to work. And if you're looking for a resolution to the story, there's not one. I don't know how to work that thing. And the honest honest thing, though, is um, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. And there's a lot of stuff that I've been trying to figure out for a long time that I can't. And some things are a lot more important than ratchet straps that I can't figure out.
0: You see, we're going through Ecclesiastes, and we're on Solomon's quest for the meaning of life, and he's told us so many times that there's things that we don't know right there's things that we try to wrap our brains around the things that we try to figure out but here in this passage I got I got some incredible news for you
1: in this passage here are three things that you can know for sure and this is so important church because these aren't just these aren't just like factoids little nuggets of of information these are uh, three truths They won't just change your life, okay? Listen, they will change the way that you live. Three truths that if you embrace these three things, you are guaranteed to enjoy your life. And let's be honest, some of us are miserable. I have been a lot lately. So this is going to be good for me too. So on your outline, I'm still trying to work on getting these things
0: shorter and I didn't make it happen this week. So here you go. Three things I know for
1: certain that allow me to enjoy life. All right? So number one, write this down. I can't know everything God is doing.
0: And I'm going to give you a chance to say that out loud. And I know I'm going to share with you, you know, what the what the text says, but as an act of good faith, I want you to say it out loud. I can't know everything God is doing.
1: You ready? Say it. Amen. What Solomon has to say about that. Verse 16.
0: He says, When I applied my heart to know wisdom, And to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep.
1: Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out.
0: Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Stop there. The point is this, he's saying life is too complicated and it's too vast to be able to figure everything out. Do you see that three times? He can't figure it out, can't figure it out, or find it out rather, sorry. Can't find it out. Three times he says that. He says no one can be smart enough, you can't work hard enough, you can't work long enough
1: because you'll always end up with more questions than answers. I mean, think about this, church. So much of your life, the things that have happened to you, it's been determined by things that are beyond your control. Hasn't it? So much of your life determined by things that are beyond your control. You're like, like what? About uh, where you were born. How About when in history you were born. Millions of
0: choices over the course of your life that were made by you and made by other people. Some people that you've never even met, but their choices have affected
1: you and shaped your life. It's staggering to think about it. And he says in verse 17, this is the work of God. Everything that's happened in your life has been orchestrated directly by the hand of God. It's staggering to think about. He says we can't figure it out. We can't find it out. He goes on, look at uh,
0: chapter 9, verse 1. He says, but all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. There it is again. But look at this next phrase. He says,
1: whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. Okay, so he says again that we're in the hand of
0: God, but what's this, what's this love or hate thing that he's talking about? Here's what he means. I want you to listen very closely because this smacks us all in the face. It is hard to judge solely from the events that happen to us whether we have God's approval or disapproval. I'm going to talk more about that in a second, so just hang on. He's saying if you simply look at life based on the circumstances that happen to you,
1: it's hard to determine just from that whether God loves you or hates you. Like, well, what do you mean? I've heard this all the time. When something bad happens to a person they immediately jump to, God hates
0: me. I'm having financial problems. God must hate me.
1: You know what? My marriage is on the rocks, and I've tried so hard to save it. God must hate me. Or somebody was in an accident. Somebody was crippled or killed or so badly injured. Well, you know, God hates me. God hates me. That's what Solomon's talking about here. You're just looking at events. Well,
0: if it's bad, then maybe God hates me. But I've seen the other other side too.
1: And it's not accurate either. That when something good happens, that means that God really loves me.
0: You know, I, I, I got that better job. I got that promotion, God. That just shows that God really loves me. Or... You know, I hear ladies say, you know, I found a good man. Finally found a good man. That just shows that God really loves me.
1: I beat COVID. God loves me most. I beat COVID. Well, I'd like to remind you that prosperity is not always the sign that God is happy with you. Because even the most wicked people prosper sometimes. And adversity is not always the sign that God is punishing you. I'd encourage you to read the book of Job sometime. And I just had a sermon on each of those.
0: But Solomon saying, big picture, look, we can't see, we can't know, we can't understand everything that God is doing, which is why we have to be okay with some degree of mystery. We have to be okay with that. That's why one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Deuteronomy 29.29. I love this verse. I quote it all the time.
1: Look at this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Are there secret things? Yes or no? Yes, there are. There are secret things that we don't know. Who does? He says,
0: they. Moses says, they belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed
1: belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God wants us to know things. Do you realize that? God wants us to know things
0: so badly that he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to put it in a book, and I'm going to make it the best-selling, most widely available book on the planet because I want you to know some things. God's like, here's the things that I want you to know, right? But... I love Deuteronomy 29.29 29 because it reminds us that we can't know everything. We can't.
1: Like, why not? Well, first of all, we're not capable. But the other thing, I was thinking about this this week. What if God decided
0: he was going to reveal everything to us? I was like, you know, I'm going to reveal everything. Everything, Jack. I'm going
1: to reveal everything. How big would the Bible be? Come on, nobody would read that. It'd be like a trillion pages. It'd be several trillion. Who's reading that? But listen, this is an important point because
0: some people will not accept Scripture. They won't accept the Word of God until they fully understand it all. Have you met somebody like that? Are you somebody like that? I'm not going to believe it until I understand it. Not going to believe it until
1: I understand it. Guess what, pal? You'll never believe it then. But I would say, if that's your attitude, I would say, with all due respect, that you're a hypocrite. Because do you realize how much stuff we do every day that we don't really understand how it works, but we do it and we believe it because it works, right? Like Wi-Fi. I don't know how Wi-Fi works. I use it
0: every day. But I'm never like, you know what? I'm I gotta I gotta check my messages, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch that until I really understand how the whole thing works. I don't understand how my car works either. You turn the key, it fires up, you push a little
1: pedal, you go vroom vroom. I don't know how all that works. Well that's the sound my car makes. I don't know how that works. You know what that really baffles me? Medicine. I take medicine
0: every day. How do those little ingredients know where to go, to, to, to which cell to do what function? I don't know how that works. I take my vitamins. How do the vitamins know where to go in your body? after? How, does, how do they know how to do that?
1: I take them every day, not knowing. I know they work, but I don't fully understand how they work. But when it comes to theology, I'm not going to believe until I have all the answers. You're a hypocrite because you're never going to have all the answers. I've shared with you before, my dog thinks I'm God. Food and water, infinite supply out of nowhere. But you know something else about my dog? Let me tell you something else about my dog. When I grab the leash, she's ready to go. And she has no idea where we're going. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter.
0: She's like, we're gone somewhere. But she doesn't sit there and say, until I understand where you're taking me and why you're taking me there and how long we're going to be there, I'm not going. She's never done that. She's just like, hey, I love you. I'm trusting you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I I was thinking about that this week to think, why can't we be more like that with God? To say, I don't understand. I don't know everything. Where, where are we going? I don't know. But you know what, God? I love you and I trust you
1: and I'm just going to follow wherever you lead me. So listen, church, you're not going to be free to enjoy your life until you accept this. Like right now, in your life, The Lord is doing thousands of things that don't make any sense to you, but make total sense to him. As a pastor, I, you know, am with a lot of people in some of the most tragic moments of their lives. Why would God allow this? Boy, I wish I had an answer for that. People involved in accidents.
0: Sudden deaths, heart attack. Why would God allow this? I I wish that I could just pull out a a manual and say, well, here's exactly why that happened in your
1: life. I, I don't. And I have to be honest with people and say, I don't know. Because with the Lord, there's always a degree of mystery. That even if I think I fully understand everything he's doing, I definitely do not. You know, there's a saying around here that we use, He is God and I am not. I'm going to teach you another one today. It's this, I can't know everything God is doing. And I'm okay with that. Let's take another run at that. Let me hear it. I can't know everything God is doing.
0: That was really bad because you sounded like you had so much more conviction before I preached that.
1: No way, No Number two, let's try this one. I only get one shot at life on earth. All right, I'm going to give you a chance to say that one. You ready? Awesome. The rest of you? Okay, let's do it. I only
0: get one shot at life on earth. Say it. All right, look at verse 2 in chapter 9. He says, it is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. The same event happens to them all. Uh, what's the same? It's, uh, it's death. You're going to see that's where
1: he's going with this. But death is the equalizer. And it comes to all of us. And it forces us to face reality. Look at verse 3. He says, this is an evil. And all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man
0: are full of evil. And madness is in their hearts. While they live, and after that, they go to the dead. In other words, he's talking here about why there is death.
1: Why? Why is there death? There's death because there's sin. That's what he's pointing out. Remember in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, eventually,
0: um, Don't eat off this one tree. But he says, the day you eat off of this tree, you will die. But interestingly, in the Hebrew, he says, dying you will die. Meaning, when you sin, Adam, it will begin a process that will end with something. Dying you will die. And you realize, church, that's something that we see every day in front of us. We're
1: all dying. We're all wearing out. We're getting older and more wrinkly. And grayer, dying you will die. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin
0: came into the world through one man, that's Adam. And look at this, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin.
1: We are born dying because we inherited sin and we inherited death from Adam. It's a harsh reality, but it's still reality. You know what I read last week?
0: I read the life expectancy in the U.S. dropped. Did you hear this? It went from 77.3 years
1: to 76.1 years. The life expectancy dropped. And I don't know how your mind works, but here's how mine works. Okay, so the new life expectancy is 76.1 years, and um, I'm 46. And I was thinking, you know, it's been 10 years
0: since the church launched, right? A little more, but t- about 10 years since the church launched. And I think of my life from the time that Harvest launched until today. That's a unit of time, right? 10 years, you with me? According to the average, if we're just playing the average, I only get three more of those. That's if Jesus doesn't come back first, which I think he is. And that's if I don't die, you know, another way, you know, murdered or heart attack or whatever.
1: I'm glad that amuses you, the thought of me being murdered. (laughs) Anyways, you're like. He knows. Anyways, okay, a harvest launch until today, 10 years. I get three more. I only get three more of those if we're just playing the averages. And I don't know why you're laughing because some of you get less than that if we're playing the averages. And some of you are still giggling and clapping, but some of you are overtime. If we're playing the averages, but you can't escape the fact that you're going to die. And you're
0: like, "Well, thank you for the reminder, Pastor Jeff. Where are you going with this?" Here's where he's going. Look, look at
1: verse six, uh, four through six. But he has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead
0: lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done
1: under the sun. Now, he's not saying there's no life after death,
0: because he makes that abundantly clear elsewhere in the book. That's not what he's saying
1: here at all they are like, well, what is he saying? Here's what Solomon's saying. Listen, you get one shot at life. That's what he's saying. When you die, you can't return. Everything from your life, when you die, everything in your life is forever over. And he's saying that you don't get a do-over when it's done. You don't. Like, you know what, God? I, there were some things I didn't like. I'd like to change some things around. Let me, you know, let me, let me, let me get, can we, give me a mulligan on that life and let me go back and. That's his point here is you can't do that. You get one shot, you get one time up to the plate. So, what are you living for? Are you, are you using your one shot at life to chase after things that
0: haven't made you happy and never will make you happy, but you're going after them? Are you using your one shot at life to constantly complain and bellyache that everything isn't exactly how you like it? Your one shot at life, or are you just
1: using it to kill time? I cringe when I hear people say that. What are you doing? I'll just killing time. They ain't making any more of that. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Are you, are you racing to the finish line with nothing to show for your life? See, that's what Solomon's driving at, is the purpose to life must be sought now. And Solomon has showed us
0: over and over and over, purpose only comes from knowing the living God. That's the only thing that gives meaning and satisfaction and significance to your life, knowing God. So you need to say it in a sentence. What specific things have you done? Let's just take the past week, okay? Just look at the last week of your life. What specific things have you done to go after that, knowing God? What have you done? And listen, intentions don't count. Like, well, I meant to pray, and I meant to, I meant to go to small group, and I meant, I meant, intentions don't count. What can you point to in your life that says, here is where I'm
1: seeking to know God. Here's what I'm doing to grow in my relationship. Or are you putting God off? Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear what you're saying, Jeff. Someday. Someday I'm going to stop
0: this sin that I'm doing. Someday I'm going to, someday I'm going to do that. Someday, you know what? Someday, Jeff, I'm going to really start praying. And I've just been kind of saying my prayers lately. Someday I'm really going to get serious about prayer. Someday I'm really going to get serious about reading the Bible. Someday I'm really going to get serious about seeking God. Well, I got awesome news for you. Today is someday.
1: I heard somebody say one time that you need to live the kind of life now that you want to be able to tell God that you lived when you stand before him someday. You only get one shot. And everything will
0: change for you when you learn to truly embrace, daily
1: embrace this truth. I only get one shot at life. Say that again with me. You ready? I'm going to give you a chance. Hang on. Because I'm only going to give you one shot at this. See, that's what you call an illustration. I only get one shot at life. I only get one shot at life. Take it. Take it. Okay, three things I know for certain that allow me to enjoy life.
0: Um, <laughs> the first thing I know for certain is that I can't know everything God is doing. I'll be okay with that.
1: Second thing is I only get one shot at life on earth, Finally. This is going to be the hardest sell in the church, but we're going after it. I have God's approval. I'm going to give you a chance to say that, and then we're going to see what the text says.
0: So as sort of a deposit by faith, I want you to say it. I have God's approval. Say it. I have God's approval. These last few verses that we're looking at today, it's a familiar refrain. In Ecclesiastes, he keeps coming back to this. But there's a statement that he uses here. A very profound phrase is added. Look at verse
1: 7. Look at this. Go. Because of all the stuff he just said, this is the charge now. This is, this is the,
0: the command. He goes, go. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry
1: heart. For God has already approved what you do. Stop. Stop. Listen, God has already approved. In one sense, this is looking forward to the
0: provision of the new covenant. But in another sense, you could say, it's always been by faith, right? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness.
1: Listen, church, when you turn from your sin and you receive Jesus Christ, faith,
0: A whole lot of things happen there. The Bible says you're born again. The Bible says God's Spirit comes and indwells you and lives in you and through you. You have the the promise of heaven, but there's something that happens when you receive Jesus Christ that a lot of Christians just don't really believe or embrace, but it's absolutely true, and it's this. When you receive Christ, God pronounces you righteous. He says you are
1: perfect. You are holy. You have the righteousness of Christ. And trust me, as a pastor for the last 20 some odd years, I just know too many Christians don't believe this. But listen, God has already given you his approval. What, does, what, what do you mean by that? I mean this. This. You don't have to try to please God. You don't have to try to earn God's favor. There is nothing that you can do that's going to make God happy with you. You don't have to earn it because,
0: um, like Mark had said earlier, it's not performance based. And I've I've shared this with you before, but so much of our lives is performance based. I got to, you know. I gotta make my, I I gotta do well in school so my teacher's happy. I gotta do well at work so my boss is happy. I gotta do well at home so my wife is happy. I gotta do well, you know, so my parents are happy. And, and so much of our lives are, it's, it's performance based and we carry that over to God and say, I gotta be a good
1: little Christian so God's happy with me. And it's not performance based. You have His approval because of what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. Let me put it in human terms. If I can get uh really personal here. I never felt like I had my mother's approval ever. I never heard, "I'm proud of you." I never heard I'm so
0: glad you're my son. I never heard, hey, I listened to your sermon online and I really enjoy that. I never,
1: I never heard that. I just never felt the approval. And you know, parents, parents, we do not have to parent the way that we were parented. And I want it different for my kids. Like my son Cade, who's sitting back there. I tell him this all the time. You, you have my approval. You want to you you want to shave your head? You want to have long hair? You have my approval. You want to play guitar? You have my approval. You want to play hockey? You have my approval. Someday soon, he's
0: going to be getting a job. He knows this. If you want to work for Walmart or the sanitation department
1: or be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you have my approval. I love him. He is my son and nothing is going to change that. And I tell him all the time, he'll tell
0: you, I say, Cade, I love you the same on your best day and on your worst day. Your performance doesn't change the way I feel about you because you're my son and I love you. Now listen, I want to help him do the right thing. and Yes, sometimes he messes up because we all mess up. And We deal with it, and we correct
1: it, and we move on. But even through that, that doesn't change how I feel about it, you see. And it's the same with God. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says you become a
0: child of God. And yes, God corrects us when we're in sin, but we
1: never lose his approval as his children. You've got to get that through your heads. If you're walking around saying, God, and I'm speaking to Christians now, but if you're walking around saying, God, you, you must be so disappointed in me. He's not. Because you have his approval. Thanks to Jesus Christ walking around
0: saying, oh, I messed up so bad. God must be so angry with me. He's not. Because of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what Jesus did on the cross? It wasn't just die this martyr's death. He was bearing the wrath of God for my sin and for your sin. So when God punished his son, he's not going to turn around and say, well, I'm still mad about sin, and punish somebody who receives Jesus. The punishment's been dealt out. He's not angry with you. He's not disappointed with you. If you
1: are in Christ, you're his child, and you have his approval. So listen, we don't live...
0: Under the fear of a God who can't wait to punish us for messing up.
1: We live under the love of a God who, thanks to Jesus Christ, has given us his approval. You're like, so what do I do with that? Look at verse 8. He says, let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head.
0: Those were just things that they did in that hot climate to stay comfortable. That's all he's talking about. I know some people try to spiritualize this to say, well, the garments are talking about you know positional righteousness in Jesus Christ, and the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. I don't think so. You're going to see from the rest of the context, I think he's talking about very
1: practical, everyday things. I think what he's saying is "So be comfortable. You have God's approval, so enjoy your life. Be comfortable. If we were writing this in our day, we would say something like, so put on your Crocs. You get that perm. Whatever floats your boat. Be comfortable. Enjoy your life because you have God's approval. Enjoy the things that God has ordained
0: for you. Like like what? Here's a couple, verses 9 and 10. He says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life. And in your toil in which you toil under the sun, whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Sheol just means the grave. Okay, They didn't have all of the revelation that we have living on this side of history, this side of Jesus Christ, this side of the new covenant. So the Old Testament mindset was you die and you go to the grave. Sheol, the the
1: place of the dead. That's all that means. It's just the grave. So he says, hey, if you're married, enjoy that. You have a job? Go for it, man. Hard as you can. Enjoy your life. This might sound like a radical concept, but this is
0: exactly what he's talking about. God wants you to enjoy the things that
1: he's given you. That's not a hard concept, is it? He wants you to enjoy the things he's given you? How would you feel, parents with kids,
0: how would you feel you spend all your money and you booked the most perfect vacation in Disney World. And you're, you know, you take you take little Jimmy and little Betsy or whatever, you're you're at Disney World, and you bought the tickets and you got the fast pass and they're wearing the little mouse ears and 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 uh you look down and you're like, all this for you. What do you think? And they're like, boring.
1: How would you feel? You're like, I did all of this for you to enjoy it. And you see, you got to
0: think in the same way. Look, God is saying, I've given you food and drink and comfort and this spouse and your
1: job. Why are you so miserable? Look at all the stuff that I gave you. Enjoy this.
0: God meant for life to be enjoyed. And there's something so, there's so, we're like so... Tightly wound as Christians sometimes, even saying that, there's somebody right now, I guarantee you there's somebody, this blasphemy check, God wants me to enjoy life. Uh, That doesn't sound right, Jeff. I, I don't think God wants me to enjoy life. He does. He says he does. He's given you everything to enjoy life, so enjoy it. And there are so many things that we could focus on that would make
1: us lose sight of the fact that God wants you to enjoy life. So here's three things to remind yourself. Truths to take to the bank. Things will maximize your time here on the earth. I want to give you a challenge this week, all right? Here's what I want you to do. These three truths, now you got the, you got your sermon outline thing here, right?
0: You got your sermon outline? You filled it out? All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep this handy this week. Keep, stick it in your Bible. Stick it in your pocket. I don't care, but keep this thing handy. And here's the challenge that I want you to do this week. This week, I want you to pray these three truths back to God first thing every morning. Before you do anything, I want you to pull this paper out. Mine's not filled in.
1: I got this one. But you need to pull this paper out. And pray these things back to God. To say, God, I'm about
0: to start my day today. and God, I'm reminded from your word that I'm not going to know and understand everything that you're doing today. And I'm okay with that. Let me follow you and trust you no matter what. Can you pray something like that back to God? And then say, God, I'm about to start my day and I realize I only have one shot at life on earth and I want to
1: make it count. I want today to be about seeking you and finding your purpose in life.
0: And the last glorious thing I want you to pray back to God is to say, God, I thank you that I'm moving forward today already having your approval. God, thank you that there's nothing I have to do today to earn your love, earn your favor. There's no performing that I have to do to make you happy with me,
1: God. I thank you because of Jesus Christ. I already have your approval. So I'm moving forward in victory. I'm moving forward today as a child of God. I want you to bow your heads and pray with me, please. That's your challenge this week. Pray these three things, first thing,
0: every morning. And I want you to see how it's going to change your entire attitude an outlook on your life. Can you do that?
1: Can you try that? Let's pray. Father, we just want to bow before you, and we thank you for your word.
0: And we thank you, Father, as Solomon's walking us through, trying to understand the meaning of life, that we have these three glorious truths to hold on to. And Father, these are three things that I think so many people in the church today have completely forgotten. We try to have the right systematic theology and and subscribe to the right preacher, and we think we know everything that you're doing,
1: but even Moses said there's secret things that belong to you. Father, we think that things are going to go on forever.
0: There's always time to go back and fix things, and Solomon reminds us we only get
1: one shot at this. Father, we thank you for the glorious. Ministry of Jesus Christ that brings us
0: the very righteousness of God and therefore your approval, just as Solomon says here. So Father, I just pray today for this church that these truths would be manifest in our lives in a way that the world sees this is the difference that Jesus Christ makes in a person's life. Let that be our witness To open the
1: door, Father, to share your word as we experience your goodness, perhaps like never before. We pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. This is Pastor Jeff Miller, and I would like to thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North. And you know, a question that I get asked frequently from people is this. How can I support your ministry? Well, i got good news for you. It is easy and it is secure. All you have to do is go to harvestpittsburgnorth.org backslash giving and follow the on-screen directions. And you can give online to support the ministry of Harvest Pittsburgh North. So until next time, this is Pastor Jeff Miller saying thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest
1: Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North.